0: And today I want to talk about the great exchange. I grew up in a family of five. I'm the oldest sibling. I have a younger brother and a younger sister. And I have so many fond memories of spending time together. I just love spending time with my family. And one of my favorite memories is family dinners, especially the dinners that were extended longer because of great conversation and laughter. And it didn't matter what we ate. My mom might have made a meal, or maybe it was a night for Little Caesar's Pizza Pizza. Remember that? Some good stuff right there. But it didn't matter what we ate because my favorite times together were those extended times around the table. And when I think about it now, perhaps we extended the conversation because my siblings and I knew what was coming next, the dreaded chore. We had to do the dinner dishes. And I am telling you, we did not like this chore, especially washing, because one of us would wash, one would dry and one would put away. But if there were a lot of pots and pans and it was your turn to wash, you were trying to get out of that chore. So I remember that there were times when we would try to make a trade and it went like this. Hey, hey, if you do my part tonight, then I'll do your part for the next two nights. And if they weren't gonna bite on that, then maybe sometimes it was like, well, I'll do it for the next three nights. And that momentary relief actually ended up being more work. It was a bad exchange. And then when I became a mom and I had children of my own, I saw them make their own exchanges. They would trade things like toys and candy and sports cards and stuffed animals. But it was not always a fair trade. And I remember on one occasion when Case was very young and his oldest brother, Cale, convinced him to give all of his money in exchange for Cale's least favorite stuffed animal. Cale <laughs> had convinced Case this was a great trade, but it wasn't. It was a bad exchange But parents, we make bad exchanges too. Have you ever done any of the following? Have you bribed your child with a sweet treat if they promise to behave in public? Or have you ever let your children watch TV past their bedtime just a little bit longer if they promise to go to bed right when the show is over? Or maybe you've used money to get your child to do something that they should do without incentive. And if you have teenagers, maybe you've let them do something you really don't want them to do, but you don't want the argument. I've been guilty. So parents... We sometimes make bad exchanges, but I don't want you to feel bad because bad exchanges are not something new. They have happened throughout history. When you read the Bible, you see bad exchanges all throughout scripture with Adam and Eve, Jacob and Esau, Samson and Delilah. And when you read Romans one, you see the apostle Paul talking about people who make bad exchanges. In Romans 1, 21 through 23 and 25, this is what it says. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise... They became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And parents all around the world are exchanging truth for lies. And most parents aren't intentionally doing this. They're not intentionally accepting lies. We want what's best for our children. We are doing what we think is right. But parenting isn't working because we're making bad exchanges. So today I want to share how to make parenting work by exchanging three lies for three truths. The first is this, parenting isn't working because we exchange biblical wisdom for worldly knowledge. Romans 1.21 tells us that they knew God, but they failed to follow him. And then in verse 22, it says, although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. It's possible to know God and to become fools. Foolish, by following the norms of society, by following those who are wise in their own eyes. The world tells us that two-year-olds are terrible. You've heard it. The terrible twos. The world tells us that all teenagers rebel. They lose their minds and they think their parents are stupid. The world tells us that kids need a full schedule of activities to be well-rounded human beings. And then there's this. Parents, the world tells you that when you have kids, you're going to become miserable, that you're going to lose yourself. They tell us that family is just something to be survived. But Colossians 2.8 tells us, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. There is no shortage of parenting advice. We have books, we have podcasts, we have videos, we have articles, we have life coaches, we have counselors, we have family and friends. And there are great resources, resources that can actually help us. But any resource that is rooted in the philosophy and traditions of men and any resource that falls short of God's word is empty. Three steps to root your parenting in the truth of God's word. Number one, pray. Ask God for wisdom. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. You are not alone in your parenting. You're not alone in your grandparenting. God wants to give to you, and he wants to give it generously to you. I can think of so many times in my parenting where I did not know what to do. And I prayed, and I asked God for help, and he gave me wisdom, he gave me insight, he gave me direction. You are not alone in your parenting. Secondly, read the Bible. Second Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. It says, all scripture is useful. The Bible has helped me so much in my parenting, more than any other resource that I've sought. And the Bible can help you too. When siblings are fighting in our families and we just want our kids to get along, when we want them to treat each other with kindness, the Bible teaches us in Luke 6.31, do to others as you would have them do to you. When our children are afraid, the Bible teaches us, Psalm 118.6, the Lord is with me, I will not be afraid. When we want our children to develop a strong work ethic, the Bible teaches us, Colossians three twenty three through 24, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart is working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. We want to get the word of God into our children's heart. We want to impress it into their hearts, which leads me to the third thing, and that is impress God's word on your children. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7 says this. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Scripture tells us to impress to imprint, to instill God's word in our children's heart. It tells us to do it from the time we wake up until the time we go to bed. And there are so many opportunities to do this. And Herbert and I have impressed God's word on our children in several ways. And here are some examples. Um, When we set our family goals at the beginning of the year, we make reading the Bible a yearly goal for our family. And so each year we let our children decide what their goal is going to be what um, their plan for reading the Bible is going to be, but it's impressing God's word in their hearts. And as Karis and I discussed our Bible reading goals at the beginning of the year, um, we both decided that we wanted to read the Bible together in the mornings before she went to school. And so since then, we have read the Bible together on Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, and we are impressing the word of God on our hearts together. And then I think about our kids. Um, Since the time that they were little, Herbert would wake up in the morning and read his Bible and pray in his king's chair um, in the family living room. And as they would come out of their rooms in the morning, they would see their dad reading the Bible and praying. And they have told us how this has made an impact on their life and it has modeled impressing the word of God in their hearts. We pray scripture over our children, especially in specific seasons of their life or in times that they're going through something difficult. Um, Our dinner conversations often include spiritual principles. And so I love dinner conversations. We talk about things that are happening in the world, about current events, but we talk about them through the lens of scripture. And this is helping to impress God's word on their hearts. But I think the best way that we've impressed God's word on our children is by modeling Christ-likeness. Herbert and I are far from perfect parents. But what you see at church is who we are at home. There's not a church version of Herbert and Tiffany and a home version of Herbert and Tiffany. We are the same in all environments. And I know that this has made a difference in our kids' life to model Christlikeness. James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive, deceive yourselves, do what it says. And it is so easy as parents to deceive ourselves and to think that the words we are speaking carry more power than our actions. When in reality, more is caught than taught. Actions speak louder than words. Your children will model what you do, not what you say. So parents, I encourage you today, make a good exchange. Gain biblical wisdom, do what it says, and impress it on your children's hearts. Secondly, parenting isn't working because we exchange being planted in the house of God for participating in recreation. We live in a society that is increasingly kid-focused, especially when it comes to youth sports. In 2022, 58% of children from the ages of six to 17 participated in a sport. And 7% of high schoolers went on to play a collegiate sport. But less than 2% of high school athletes went on to play at an NCAA Division I school. But this is the stat that gets me. And this includes all of us, okay? So according to the Bleacher Report, 1% of the population is a professional athlete. So that's a big drop off. And I'm not telling you these stats because I think sports are bad. I actually really like sports, and I played a lot of sports growing up. In fact, for a time, I was number 45 on the court. That's right. Let's go, Menominee. And Herbert was number 30. I mean, look at him! Okay, no lie. I told my kids. I was like, kids, if I knew your dad in school, I would've had the biggest crush on him. And that is no joke. Listen, I would've been exchanging notes with him in the hall between classes. I would've been asking him, boy, you wanna go play basketball after class? Like, yeah, he was so cute. I like sports. And some of my favorite memories have been with my kids, especially when they were really little and they played in the YMCA basketball leagues. I mean, this was the time when they could hardly run and dribble the ball at the same time. And it was so cute. Here's a picture of our daughter, Karis. I mean, this was a season of her life when it wasn't so much about basketball, but it was about the attire. So the tall socks, Very colorful, the more colorful, the better, okay, yes. So she's adorable. But also, I didn't just like watching them play. I think I really liked our rhythm of in-between games, going to the donut shops and the coffee shops. So here's a picture of one of our stops at Starbucks. Look at their little faces. (laughs) I'm like, they're so big now. They're so cute. Um, But sports, they really do have value. And they teach us new skills. They teach us hard work, perseverance. They teach us how to work with the team. Like, they definitely have value. But sports aren't gonna give my kids the spiritual foundation they need when they face life's toughest storms. And I don't know where I'd be today if my parents hadn't built my life around the house of God. I really don't. I grew up in church. And when I went to church, you went on Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, and a lot of nights in between. And sometimes I fell asleep on the floor or on the chairs at the church because service went so long, One day, I remember my siblings and I had this great idea, and so we made a trade with my mom, and we're like, Mom, since we have been at church so long tonight, it's so late, you should totally let us sleep in tomorrow and not go to school, and she agreed. So hey, that was a really good exchange for us, okay? (laughs) But church was the place where I learned about God, I learned about his presence, I was discipled, I had life-giving friendships, I had people that cared about me, that supported me, that wanted to help me. And when I faced storms in my adolescent years, and some of those storms were big, I was able to stand because I was planted in God's house. And I am so thankful to my parents that they made a choice to choose God's house over other activities. Psalm 92, 12 through 13 says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. Did you know that palm trees are stronger than regular trees? They can withstand winds up to 145 miles per hour. They can bend 40 to 50 degrees without snapping. And when earthquakes come, and when other trees are uprooted, when structures and homes are destroyed, palm trees remain standing. And just like you, and just like me, our children will face storms in life, but if they are planted in the house of God, they will bend, but they will not break. They will stand, and they will flourish. When your children are planted in the house of God, heartbreak happens, and they bend, and they stand, and they flourish. When they're planted in the house of God, loss happens, and they bend, and they stand, and they flourish. When sickness comes, they are able to bend, stand, and flourish. I am telling you, your children can withstand storms when they're planted. And when the challenges come, and they will come, they will be able to bend, stand, and flourish. Your children can withstand life storms. But there's more. Because being planted in the house of God just doesn't help your children withstand life storms. It actually improves their overall quality of life. In 2020, the Oxford Academic reported on a study conducted by the Journal of Epidemiology. And this study was regarding the benefits of church attendance. The study concluded that those who attended church at least once a week versus those who didn't attend church at all have greater longevity, so they live longer, they have healthier behaviors, meaning less substance abuse, they have better mental health, less depression, less anxiety, less hopelessness, less loneliness, and they have greater psychosocial well-being, meaning they have greater life satisfaction, purpose in life, and overall positive effect. So isn't it cool? that God's word is true. That being planted in God's house is not just a biblical truth, but it is backed by science. It is backed by medical research. The benefits are massive. And that's why we have environments for your children at People's Church. We care so much about children. So we have ministry environments for birth all the way through high school. Because we want to help your children to know God, to grow in God, to discover their purpose, and to make a difference. We are here to partner with you. But you have to take advantage of the partnership. And I know that making church a weekly habit is new for some of you. I know that it might feel challenging, because it is. It's not easy, but it's worth it. I still have flashbacks to Sunday mornings when my kids were young. And Herbert would leave early to prepare for church. And so I would get the kids ready. I would wake them up in the morning. I would feed them breakfast, get them dressed. And then we would look for the shoes. Because where do shoes disappear to on Sunday mornings? (laughs) But they always disappear. In fact, one Sunday, we walked through the church doors. And one of my kids had two different shoes on. I was like, we're already here. We're just, you're going to do it. (laughs) But I have those flashbacks. I have the flashbacks of Sunday mornings, the day that seems more challenging than any other day of the week. Right, parents? It's like, hello, Sunday. Hello, chaos. But we're going to do this. And so we would walk through the doors. I would be carrying my baby carrier on one arm. And then on my other arm, I would have my other three kids like a chain, just holding hands. Like everybody, we're just looking for cars. We're walking in. But we made it. And it literally felt like an accomplishment. Was it easy? Absolutely not. But it was worth it. I would do it again and again to have my children planted in the house of God. And when they started middle school, I started to take them to EPIC, our youth ministry. And again, Wednesdays could feel hectic. After work, after school, trying to get the homework done, preparing for the test. And then honestly, it was just kind of a free-for-all. It was whatever you can find to eat, just get something in your stomach, and then I would get them in the car and we would drive to church and they would go in and then I would wait for them to get done. And then when they were done, we'd get back in the car and drive back home. And sometimes I would have thoughts like, oh, I could be relaxing at home right now. Or, oh, I could be getting so much done right now. But I'm telling you, the commitment to get my kids to the house of the Lord was worth it. Every time. Easy? No. But worth it? Yes. And then as they got older, my kids had opportunities to play on sports teams or be involved in events that were happening during church hours. And as a family, we just decided to make church a priority. And this was something that we communicated with our kids about. And so for us, sometimes it was just a no, we're not going to do that activity. And then other times there was compromise. And perhaps we talked to the coach and let them know, like, we would love to be a part of this team, but during church hours, our Our kids will be in church and sometimes it worked out and sometimes it didn't, but church was the priority. And this isn't about being legalistic, okay? So there were times that our kids missed a Sunday for a game or event, but the key was church was our habit and not an occasional happening. Church was our habit, not an occasional happening, And church, I just wanna encourage you today that it is worth it. It is always worth it to bring your kids to the house of God and to get them planted into God's house. I want to encourage you today to bend, stand, and flourish with your children and make the good exchange. Number three, parenting isn't working because we exchange focusing on the creator for focusing on created things. Romans 1.25 says they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Paul was writing about people who shifted their focus from the creator to things created by man. People who had shifted their focus from God to idolatry. People who began to give their focus to earthly things Over the eternal, our Creator. A couple of years ago, I was leaving church and most of the people had already left. The parking lot was bare, almost. And as I was backing out of my parking space, I saw a lady walking on the road in front of the church. And she was nicely dressed. She was wearing heels. And I became so distracted by her because I wanted her to be safe. I was concerned for her safety. So I was just focused on her. And also, she was wearing heels. Ladies, walking on a busy road in heels, her poor feet and knees and back. So I was just like, I need to get to her. I need to help her. And I was so focused on her and so distracted that I wasn't paying attention to what was happening around me. And all at once, I heard, Mom! As I crashed into the car behind me. I know. It's very sad. (laughs) But I was so focused on the wrong thing, and I crashed. And so many parents are focused on the wrong thing, and they're headed for a crash. Proverbs 22, 6 says, direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. Parents, our children are passengers in our car of life. We are directing them, but the question is, where are we directing them to? They are listening to us. They are watching us. They are following our example. Are we leading them to man-made earthly things or are we leading them to focus on our creator who is eternal? The earthly says, focus on gaining money, on gaining riches, on getting possessions, but our children can gain the whole world and lose their soul. Matthew 16, 26 says, and what do you benefit if you gain the world but lose your soul? Francis Chan says, our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. And yes, I want my children to be successful, but not without Jesus. And I want my children to be educated, but not without Jesus. I want them to accomplish great things in this world, but not without Jesus. I want my kids to have Jesus more than anything else in the world. The earthly says, focus on building your name, build your image, gain popularity, get status, get likes. But I want my kids to have Christ like character more than popularity. Booker T. Washington said, character is power. The power of our kids' lives will be their character, not their popularity, not their status. Coach John Wooden said, be more concerned with your character than your your reputation because your character is what you really are while your reputation is merely what others think you are. We want to focus our children on character, to be strong on the inside, to be people of their word. We want them to focus on character so that they do the right thing even when no one else is watching. And I remember when I lost focus in high school, I was in a bad place. But I'm so thankful that I had parents who knew how to refocus me on Christ and refocus me on my Christ-like character. I am so thankful for, for my parents. And so today, to all of you parents, I want to say that nobody intends to crash, but it's so easy to get distracted by what's happening around us, by what's happening in the world. But today, you can refocus. You can make a good exchange. God has given your children to you. He has entrusted them to you. And he gives you everything you need to make parenting work. He gives you his word. He gives you his church. He gives you direction. He gives it to you generously. You can do this. You can. It's not easy. But you can do it. Whether you have babies, toddlers, teenagers, you might have adults, you can focus them on what matters. You can focus them on the way that they should go. You can make a good exchange today. You can build your family on the truth of God's word. You can plant your family in the house of God. And you can keep your family focused on the creator. You can do it. You can make a good exchange. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for every person today who is hearing this message. Father, I thank you for the parents today. I thank you for the grandparents. I thank you for those who are yet to be parents. Father, would you bless them? Would you encourage their hearts with the truth that they're not doing parenting alone, but God, that you are with them and you give generously everything they need to do it. So Father, would they leave today with a new passion, Lord, with a new conviction that they are going to raise their children in the fear of the Lord. And with you, they can make parenting work. Thank you, Father. Bless every family. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
1: With eyes still closed and heads still bowed, I realize today when we hear a message like this, it makes us reflect on our own life. Whether we're a parent, a grandparent, whether we're a teenager or a child, because the real reality is it's so easy to get distracted in life. And that's where some of you are today. Your your children are not just distracted, your grandkids, but but you're distracted. And whenever we get distracted in life, we, we crash. And, and some of you today, if you're honest, your life is crashing because you're not building on the firm foundation of Jesus. You're distracted. You've got your eyes on the world. You got your eyes on trying to be successful. You got your eyes on trying to make a bunch of money. You got your eyes on trying to get some more possessions. You got your eye on some girl, some guy, and you're, you're, you're distracted and you're not building your life on Jesus. And there's somebody today you need to rededicate your life back to the Lord. You've been distracted and going down the wrong path. There are some of you, you have never given Jesus Christ your, your life and your heart, and you've been distracted from by everything around you, and you've never made God a priority in your life. And today's the day to give your life to Jesus. Don't keep going through life with crash, after crash, after crash. Today's your day to say yes to Jesus. If that's you, I'm going to count to three. Just shoot your hand up high. If you want to rededicate your life to the Lord, if you've not been building on the firm foundation of Jesus and today you want to start building your life on Jesus, just shoot your hand high in the air. You want to give Jesus Christ your heart and your life. One, two, three. Three, would you just shoot that hand up high? I see your hand there. Thank you so much. Anyone else? I see your hand. Thank you so much. See your hand. See your hand there. Others, so they just, just raise it high. That's it. Midwest City, just lift it high. Northwest, just lift it high. Indianapolis, just lift it high. The ladies at Mabel Bassett, just lift your hand high. Some of you right now online, you've been building your life on the wrong foundation, and you need to click that raise your hand button. You need to write yes in the chat line and give your life to Jesus. I'm going to ask every hand that's raised in every single location. So many hands went up here. And I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer. Confess it with your mouth. Believe it in your heart. And God's going to wash away your sins. Would you pray with me right now? Heavenly Father, I I turn away from sin and and all the distractions of this world. And today I confess that Jesus is my Lord and Jesus is my Savior. I'm making Jesus the foundation and the focal point of my life from this day forward. My life is yours. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.